are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 to 20 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about the Giants' big 9-3 win over the Mariners on Wednesday. Giants were the road team in San Francisco in this game. They came out swinging. They scored runs in the first, second, third, fourth, and seventh. They had 15 hits, three home runs, and Drew Smiley was as dominant as he has been all season long over three and two-thirds innings. So we'll break it all down. We'll provide a couple of injury updates for Tyler Beattie and Reyes Maranta, and we'll preview the rest of the season for the Giants and their current playoff odds and the wildcard standings and all of that as well. A little bit about me, I've been a contributor for the baseball analysis sites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I started a Giants podcast called Covecast in 2015 and then joined the Locked On Podcast Network in 2019. I'm also a lifelong diehard Giants fan. So this was a big win. We talked yesterday about how the Giants really need to take care of business against the Seattle Mariners, who have some young, intriguing talent, but... At the end of the day, the Giants have a limited number of games left against teams that are not above 500 and and are not, you know, some of the best teams in the league. And so when the Giants face these lesser teams, they really need to capitalize. And so far, they've won three out of three against the Mariners. We said a week or two ago when we were previewing the rest of the season for the Giants that they needed to win three out of four against the Mariners in these four games. And so far they've done that and they have a chance for a clean sweep today. Uh, The second game being at one o'clock, the Giants will also be the road team again. So the win brought the Giants back to 500. They're 24 and 24. Something we haven't talked about a lot this season because it's been such a sprint is their run differential, and their run differential is positive. I think it's like plus three at this point. So that's a big deal. I mean, the Giants, this is not a fluke. It's not like they're being outscored massively by their opponents on the season, yet they have a 500 record. They they have earned this 500 record, and mostly it's been in games like this where the offense has just been really good, and they've been really good at home as well. But what we really need to be paying attention to is the totality of the National League wildcard race. It's become extremely competitive, and the Giants are holding on to that number eight seed, the last and final playoff seed, by half a game. So things got interesting in the National League Central yesterday with the Reds completing a four-game sweep of the Pirates, and now the Reds and Cardinals are actually tied for second place in the National League Central. The Reds are actually just a a tiny bit better by win percentage than the Cardinals who have played fewer games. So technically, the Reds are now in second place and the Cardinals are the team that's half a game behind the Giants. 
So if you're a Giants fan, you're really rooting for both of these teams to lose, but at least one of them to lose because whoever's in second place is going to automatically make the postseason and is not in that wildcard mix where the Giants are. The Giants have very little chance of catching the Padres. They're six and a half games back of second place. So that's just not going to happen. The Giants, if they're going to make the postseason, it'll either be as the seventh or eighth seed. So the, the Cardinals are the next closest team. They're about to play the Pirates, who have been just of no help to the Giants by not being able to beat the Reds this week. But now they'll play the Cardinals. So good chance we could see the Cardinals move back into second place and the Reds become that team that the, that are chasing the Giants. So that'll be something to continue to watch. The Phillies and the Marlins are also engaged in a fight for second place in the National League East. And whoever's not that second place team, it's currently the Marlins by a game and a half. So the Phillies are in third place and they're actually tied with the Giants. They have the same 24 and 24 record. So the Phillies are the number seven seed currently, even though the Giants and the Phillies have the same record because the first tiebreaker is intra-division record and the Phillies are 20 and 15 against the East and the Giants are just 15 and 17 against the National League West. So anyway, beyond that, the Brewers are a game and a half behind the Giants and the Rockies are two games behind the Giants for that number eight seed. The Mets are still in play here at two and a half games behind the Giants. So every time we look at this, I say the same thing, and that is that it's just going to be close until the very end. If you look at fan graphs and you look at their projected standings the rest of the way, pretty much all of these teams come in in the 29 to 30 win range. Giants are projected at 30. Cardinals are projected at 30. Reds 29.4. Brewers 29. Marlins 30.7. Phillies 30. Mets 28. Rockies 27.2. So you're going to potentially have, you could have a bunch of teams have the exact same record here when all is said and done. And that's why when you play Seattle, even though I'm not saying they're like the worst team going right now, but when you play a team like the Mariners, you just have to take advantage and every game is going to be huge. It's It could literally be the difference between making the postseason and not. So the Giants need to take advantage while they can because after today's game against the Mariners, they have to go to Oakland and play the A's who are 31-19. and 19. After that, they play the Rockies who, who are about to play the Dodgers. So hopefully the Dodgers can beat them up a little bit kick them out of this race, deplete their confidence, and then they come into San Francisco for a huge four-game series. It was also announced that the Giants and Padres will make up that game that was missed in San Diego on Friday as part of a doubleheader. So it'll be the first game in that series, the first day in that series, that two games will be played. I think that's a good thing. Don't push the doubleheader until the very last day. That would be kind of a little bit too dramatic given how much could change with two games being played in one day. So the Giants have just 12 games remaining. I maintain that if they can go 6-6, six and six, I think they will be in, i.e. if they can finish at 500. I, I also think it's a possibility that if they finish one game or two games under 500 at 29-31, and 31, then they could possibly get in that way as well. 
So that would be five and seven. So they've bought themselves a little bit of a cushion by beating the Mariners yesterday because if they lose, then they have to go six and six based on what I'm thinking. So anyway, hopefully you all don't mind that I'm just going off into this every single time, but this is this is the focus right now, and the Giants certainly have given fans confidence that they're going to be able to score some runs and play well in these games. And Drew Smiley pitching well was a huge deal yesterday because he's going to be able to make a few more starts down the stretch here and potentially in a postseason game. And he was just utterly dominant, striking out eight in three and two thirds, just an unhittable curveball that he's featuring. And also mid nineties, a mid nineties fastball and a low nineties cutter. So we'll talk more about this game in the second half of the show, break down what went right for the Giants offense, talk about Drew Smiley's numbers a little bit and the use of the bullpen, which I thought was pretty good last night. So that's all coming up in the second half of the show. But first, I want to talk about rockauto.com. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use on more important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Random example, a fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey costs $353.99 at Advance, which is a big chain store and $216.79 at rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. Best of all, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com Okay, as promised here in the second half of the show, we're going to talk more specifically about the Giants' 9-3 win last night. We'll talk about Drew Smiley, the bullpen usage, and then provide an update on the health of Reyes Moronta and Tyler Beattie. But the Giants' offense and Drew Smiley was definitely the story last night. After the Giants really fell flat in that series in San Diego, and then they had a couple of days off because of a scheduled off day and then the postponed game due to the poor air quality in Seattle, you worried a little bit about the Giants kind of falling out of the rhythm they had been in and their ability to score runs in bunches, maybe disappearing at a key moment in the season. But those fears were put to rest last night. It definitely has been helpful to face Mariners pitching compared to like the Padres pitching. That's something we were talking about on the show about how the Giants looking bad in San Diego, I think, had a lot to do with the Padres pitching and not so much necessarily about their own hitters. And I think last night kind of semi confirmed that theory because they got to face LJ Newsome, who's you know, not Mike Clevenger, and they really got to him. And they got to the Mariners' bullpen, which has been just as bad, if not worse, than the Giants' bullpen this year. So Mike Yastrzemski led off the first inning with a walk. Alex Dickerson started his big night with a single to left. Wilmer Flores grounded out. Brandon Belt popped out with a runner on third and one out. So a chance to score a run without a hit. 
He did not come through there. But then Donovan Solano picked him up, picked up the Giants with a ground ball single to left that scored that run from third. In the second inning, Crawford started his big night with a double. Mauricio Dubon singled to left. He got thrown out trying to stretch it into a double, but it did score Crawford. And then in the third inning, Dickerson doubled belt homer, just an absolute bomb to left center, excuse me, to right center field. Probably wouldn't have been a home run under the old dimensions. So he he takes advantage of the new dimensions. Brandon Crawford later in this game hit a home run that would not have been out of the old dimensions. So it's good to see them getting rewarded for some really good contact because those balls were crushed in both cases. Evan Longoria also hit a home run in the third inning uh, down the left field line. So anyway, when it was all said and done, the Giants had 15 hits, three walks. Crawford had two doubles. Dickerson doubled. Yastrzemski doubled. Belt homered. Longoria homered and Crawford homered. Just a great offensive night for the Giants. And then on the pitching side, the story was Drew Smiley. All season long for the Giants, he has pitched this way. And unfortunately, he had to miss a lot of time with kind of what I would describe as a freak injury, a index finger strain. That is not a common injury in baseball. But the numbers for Smiley are just downright ridiculous. If you look past the 3.94 ERA, which is bloated by a couple of runs scoring last night that were inherited by Caleb Berger. But the peripherals are outstanding, and I think we can all see why. He's striking out 39.1% of batters, which comes out to 15.19 batters per nine innings compared to just an 8.7% walk rate, 3.38 walks per nine. And he's not been, he's, he hasn't had a problem with allowing home runs. He's allowed just one in his 16 innings of work. That's a top 10 strikeout rate in the league when you set the minimum to 16 innings pitched. The fielding independent pitching is 1.75, and the expected fielding independent pitching is 2.52. So those numbers basically predict ERA based on strikeouts, walks, and home runs. And they're better at predicting future ERA than like current ERA. So basically what it's saying is that 3.94 ERA, we should expect that to come down rather dramatically if he continues to pitch this way. So that's what I would expect. This guy has become just an absolute force on the mound with that curveball. He got at one point... I think he had eight strikeouts yeah eight strikeouts total in the game but at one point he had seven strikeouts they were all swinging strike threes and they were all on curveballs so that is a great sign smiley should be able to start at least two more times probably once against the rockies and once against the padres he did only go three and two-thirds he was seemingly on an 80 pitch limit they pulled him after 78 pitches as I said, Caleb Berger came in and walked three batters, so it allowed two of uh, Drew Smiley's runners to come in and score. So not a good outing for Berger. That was his whole outing, three walks, and that was it. Then Trevor Cahill came in, so clearly he's the guy who's been bumped out of the rotation for Drew Smiley. But I really liked uh, having Cahill as an option to come in and pitch multiple innings in relief 
So he stabilized things and went two innings, had a big strikeout with the bases loaded to stop a Mariners rally. Sam Selman came in and got a big out against a lefty. Sam Coonrod came in and had a up-and-down outing. He drilled Dylan Moore in the head with a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. Extremely scary moment, just gut-wrenching to see, but thankfully Dylan Moore kind of popped up after a few moments on the ground and claimed to be fine and took his base at first and ended up getting out, forced out at second base on a ground ball. But he he was in the dugout. He was claiming that he was fine. He did get taken out of the game after that. There seemed to be an attempt at retaliation in the next inning. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski had a couple of pitches, the first two pitches of the inning in the very next inning that were very much inside and looked like clear attempts to hit him in retaliation. Had a lot of people on Twitter saying the Mariners wouldn't be doing that because clearly Coonrod didn't hit more on purpose in the head or just hit him on purpose, period. And I totally agree. There was no intent behind what Coonrod did. But if you know baseball players and you know the mentality of a baseball team, they're going to retaliate if one of their guys gets drilled in the head. That's just part of the unwritten rules of baseball. And so to me, I have no doubt that was an attempt at retaliation. Also looked like he tried to drill Wilmer Flores a couple batters later and missed for a third time. So I don't think the Giants would have would have had any problem with that if if he had drilled Yastrzemski. He probably would, would have just taken his base and it would have been over. But the fact that he missed three times seemingly in an attempt to retaliate tells me we could see another attempt today. So that's something to look out for. But of course, we wish the, wish the best for Dylan Moore. That was really scary getting drilled in the head with a 99-mile-an-hour fastball right in the side of the, the left side as a right-handed batter right in the temple. Thank goodness for helmets. That's all I'll say. Anyway, by that point, it was a blowout. Rico Garcia pitched a scoreless inning, and Harleen Garcia closed it out in the ninth. So just a couple of quick updates about Tyler Beatty and Reyes Maranta. Beatty reached a big milestone on Monday, resuming throwing for the first time since undergoing Tommy John surgery on March 20th. He remains on track to return at some point in the 2021 season. The Giants also received an encouraging update on Reyes Maranta, who was scheduled to throw an inning in a real game at the alternate site on Wednesday. Gabe Kapler said he hasn't ruled out a return in 2020 for Maranta to the active Major League roster. He said, quote, I think we monitor every outing and figure out how he bounces back. But so far, his stuff has been crisp and he's been trending up. I've gotten regular reports from Kyle Haynes on his performances, and they've all looked good in the bullpen. We're optimistic that if he keeps trending in the right direction, he could make an impact for us at some point. So just my quick opinion, a lot of people viewed Reyes Maranta as like the closer of the future for the Giants. I kind of pumped the brakes on that. He's had real command issues, and I think that's just something you don't want to mess around with in huge moments, but certainly he would be an upgrade over somebody you know, if you take out the worst link in the bullpen and insert Reyes Maranta, I think that would be a significant upgrade. So it would be it would be great to get him back after he had that really scary looking injury 
last year when he was rolling around on the mound. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Remember to get this show every weekday. You need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow talking about today's huge game between the Giants and the Mariners. It'll be Tyler Anderson on the mound for the Giants, Nick Margavichis on the mound for the Mariners' left-handed pitcher. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving it a review. Whatever you can do is very much appreciated. Thanks so much for listening, and until then, we'll see you next time. 